Rooted in Revenue with your host today, Susan Finch. your host today for Rooted in Revenue, continuing my series with software architect, app developer, and my security guy go-to for hosting and advice and things, Michael Blood, CEO of Matriax. Welcome back, Michael. Well, thank you again, Susan. Great to be back. Thanks. In our last episode, we talked about maybe going back and cleaning up your act when you send everybody to work from home. And for those of you working from home from companies, if you want to keep doing it, you all have to be more secure. And we have to make sure that you're following best practices as if you were in the office. So go listen to the previous episode to catch that. In this episode, we're gonna talk about Michael with all his years of experience helping secure networks, having his own very secure network and some of the advice apps and things that he develops to prevent hacking. We're gonna talk about vetting security companies. So if you're going to contract with somebody what are some of the questions you should ask them to make sure that it's a good fit and they will actually help you be protected, help provide that extra level that you're looking for because you can't do it yourself and to help determine your needs. Do you need somebody on call that you can say, I can't make this work more like a you know tech support remotely or do you just need somebody to help you set up in the first place and then you guys are good to go? So you ready to tackle this, Michael? Yes, let's jump in. All right. So if you were a small company and you've sent small to medium-sized company, that means under 500 people, and you were sending everybody home and they're home and they want to stay home and you're realizing this is too big of a job for our former internal IT department because they, are, they just can't handle all the new questions that have come up, the new issues that have come up. And so you're thinking about hiring a company to help you with this. What are some of the things you would look for? I would actually start with, with the question you posed to me uh, at the beginning of this, of your intro there. And that is just what questions should I ask? Yes. And uh, I, would, I would start with what things should I be concerned with? Just a general question. Now, you may already have some security concerns and you can jump right in with them. But if you don't know where to start with, the first thing I would ask a cybersecurity ex expert is, what things should I be concerned with? And let them tell you. If they have trouble with that, then, okay, you know, uh, you probably haven't found your people yet. If they know specifically what things you should be uh, concerned about, uh, then uh, great, you can, you can continue and you can get more in depth some of the things that often come up that I know I often find out early is what type of company are you? What types of, what kinds of things are we protecting? Um, I have a network, I have an office full of this many people. I've, uh, I've got patient information that's protected by healthcare. I've got uh, financial information, uh, things that are going to uh, lead to questions about compliance. So sometimes I'm kind of reversing your question a little bit here because I don't know if the company asking that needs to, to what kind of information they need to protect. So 
what I would expect the person on the on the cybersecurity company or the IT company, whoever it is that's going to be helping me out, I'd be expecting them to know what to do for my size of company, my type of network, and how many people are within the network, uh, and what type of information is in the network. I think it comes. There's other pieces of that too, and you're you're right though. It's up to us as the cons- the customer, the client of this potential company to be able to kind of tell what's a typical day like for you guys networking with each other? What kinds of things do you share? Well, we share a whole bunch of documents. We share videos and things that nobody else has access to that only we can, but we all need to be able to get to these central, you know, repositories of files. And once in a while, we have to let a third party contractor in there to view those as well or we need to be able to access theirs. I had this with a client recently and their network had locked out Drive. None of them from their VPN can access Google Drive. And so- Interesting. Yeah, so 20 contractors that work with them with different files that they share that way through Box, through Dropbox or all those places were locked out. And so the client couldn't get to any of those to be able to review, approve or anything or contribute to it and we were not allowed into their system. So the only way was for them to log out of their VPN, log in as them, go to drive, go get it, bring it down, log back into the VPN and then put it up. Uh, interesting. Well, that definitely, definitely a concern uh, for accessibility. That's yes. uh, one, of the, one of the important tenets of security is just accessibility. Right, because those extra hoops, the time used if it's not set up properly. I mean, identifying what do you really need to do? You're right, those questions have to be answered first by us internally. True, although, you know, it, it's like I say, the, the question is a li- uh, I'm answering it a little bit backwards because when you're trying to figure out what kinds of questions to ask a provider, they're going to be asking you questions to find out what they're needing to protect so that they can. But, but there are some, like um, just generally ask them, what kinds of protections do you put in place to guard against data theft? Well, they're gonna do a review to find out about what kinds of data you have. Do you have Google Drive, like you mentioned? Do you have a network? And hopefully they come up with a couple of really good answers that you'll be looking for, but you can also feed them the answers. It's just, you need a firewall, you need to harden your data access, you need a password policy, um, and uh, everything needs to be encrypted and secure, uh, and you need backups. You want to hear those core answers, but I guess I would hope anybody hearing this podcast would now know that they need those things uh, as well and be looking for a provider to, to do it or do it themselves and, and then find a provider to really lock it down. Getting back to vetting providers, mm-hmm. You know, folks, doing a Google search and just looking for people that provide these services doesn't mean you're going to get somebody reputable. It gets you somebody that knows how to work SEO. And I always feel my best method is to go to somebody that I know is way smarter than I am and ask them who they use. And if they don't have somebody, ask them who they know that would know somebody. There you go. The, the network method. It's the best way because you can't trust reviews because there are so many bad bots and actors out there doing fake reviews to make you look like you're legitimate. 
and it's very difficult. Who po I mean, who's going to post testimonials on their site that are, I hate their service. They are, you know, they botched everything up. Nobody's going to post that. And the reviews that are out there, you can't tr always trust the extreme good and bad because sometimes competitors, I've seen this, will go do bad reviews and go do good reviews. You know, it, everybody does fake things as well as legitimate things. So the middle of the road reviews are usually the more legitimate be careful of those extremes and trusting it. Please ask around. I totally agree because relationships, doing business with people you have relationships with is that it's not always possible, but from my standpoint, it's ideal because uh, I, I don't have to rely on others uh, for that. So, and, and really what you're, what you're mentioning, uh, one of the questions I do have for uh, a company really addresses some of this. And that is, how do you confirm that the work that you've done to secure us is actually securing us? How do you confirm that? That's a great and, thing. And in some ways, just based on, you can't really trust everybody you don't know already. It kind of begs the question of, well, maybe I actually need another, a third party to do the audit. And that's what a lot of companies have. And there's compliance around this for large organizations like banks and, and things like that, where they actually uh, have to undergo audits on a periodic basis to confirm that certain security measures are in place. But if you're just looking for your first provider, the first time saying, uh, what do I do or how, how do I know it's working? They ask the question, how do you confirm? How do we confirm that the work you're doing securing our network and our assets how do you confirm they're actually secure? That is a huge, wonderful piece of advice that it does not have to be one and the same. It definitely doesn't. And, and shouldn't probably. Well, shouldn't, uh, but again, you know, you have to balance business yeah. um, uh, priorities, you know, whether the, the cost makes sense. Uh, definitely do not delay hiring that service until you can afford to hire both of them definitely at least attempt to secure before you can afford to secure and verify. So not an audit first, or would an audit, an audit usually goes though with the company that's about to secure it because they need to know what's going typically on. You start, typically they would start with that. Okay. And, and maybe if you started with an organization, did an audit, had another person put it in place, and then you audit to confirm that it, uh, whatever holes they found, um, that that would be a good way. It's very standard to, you know, I, I don't want to introduce that as a problem when it doesn't necessarily need to be one. You right. you very likely, it's a, it's a great model to hire a company to come in, audit it, put in place some fixes, uh, and then be able to somehow demonstrate that to you or show it to you uh, and, and maybe show you logs or something like that that can confirm that you're secure. In some cases, there are third-party automated monitoring solutions that can help, that can be set up to identify the holes. You hire a company, they plug them, and that automated monitoring solution is still in place to, to identify when new things come up or if um, somebody turned off a firewall somewhere or something right. like that. That's a really good question. What, how do we confirm that, that we're secure? So, I think that is some great advice get people started what they should start to think about too what they're trying to accomplish 
in their work environments and what do they want to continue with is everybody coming back to the office folks and nobody's going to be remote then that's one situation but you're going to have different security needs if you want to continue to be able to offer the option or permanent solution to work from home work remotely work while traveling work from places that are not a lockdown home office type of thing all right, and we have this situation going on right now at the office. We're we're primarily here in the office now. However, uh, uh, Daniel, one of his uh, one of his beautiful daughters, is sick and has passed it around the family. And so, uh, rather than uh, come to the office and be super safe, he stays at home and works remotely. And that will always always be something that businesses need whether they have permanently remote workers or not they're always going to need to be able to have people working sometimes remotely and sometimes security holes are just as bad as all the time security holes so right and the other thing that people forget too and companies forget is a lot of us sometimes we're really traveling and we take our little pocket computers with us and we have the phones and we can do a lot from our phones. Sometimes the companies have apps. Sometimes we're just accessing browsers through it and logging in the same ways with the same passwords and everything else. But again, here we are a lot of times when you're traveling and you're using free Wi-Fi, if you want that fast connection, be careful because that's public. If you're not using a VPN, you can use VPNs on your phone. You can also turn off Wi-Fi. You can make sure it's only secure networks that you're familiar with. There are all different ways to do that as well. But that all becomes part of that same audit. Is If nobody ever works from home or even checks you know, secure things from their phone, don't worry about it. But if they can, if there's any way for them to do it, they will <laughs> because it's convenient. And people yeah. like to travel and I want to go to the beach and I want to be on the beach and then I can check in <laughs> and work and do my three things I have to and then I'm done for the day. Sounds like you've got personal experience with that. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> uh, uh, absolutely. And, and it feels good to be able to do a little bit of work when you're uh, from the beach. You, yep. uh, but ideally just one or two things and then it's time to play. You, you bring up your pocket computer, your phone. Uh, one of the, uh, to go back to a conversation we had in uh, the last podcast related to LastPass, it's best practice to turn on FaceTime for uh, if you're, or, you know, face facial recognition to lock down your yeah. password, your LastPass or, or OnePass, whatever, whatever you use. And I'm surprised, but sometimes people don't have that. They leave their phone around and suddenly that LastPass that was so secure and such a good way to store it becomes a direct path right into your secure networks. Exactly. And so there's just another, I guess, precaution to take when using those password managers. Yes, because people do put them on all devices, your tablets, your everything. How easy is it to just open that up, click on the app, and there it is. And uh, sometimes people don't recognize what, what button they're clicking in order to, if you've ever done this, I know I have, what button you're clicking in order to clear the alert box that popped up if that alert box that popped up happened to be do you want to require facetime in order to access in order to access your passwords they're smart they ask a couple of questions but if you just nonchalantly say no and don't re-enable it you you know uh, six months down the road you you may not realize how how vulnerable it may be uh, to have your phone walking around with you 
Yes. And, and again, too, for those of us that store things on drive and different things, right there, those spreadsheets, everything else, anywhere else that you have stored things are accessible if you don't put those extra layers of protection in on your phone. Oh, and that's, that, that one's a big issue. Uh, I know that um, at least in the security setup I have on my phone, my, uh, I can open documents in Drive without, I, I have to use the pin to access my phone, but as soon as the pin's right. uh, in there, my Drive documents are visible. Right. And yeah. without, a, without a password. Well, and for some of us that are more complicated, where I have five different Google accounts and they're all tied to Drive and I just flip around and switch between them, go back and forth, can open them all different ways. Any account that I want to, that I access regularly from my phone is in there. And so, yeah, everything that's tied to it is vulnerable. So security practices, those are definitely key. Very important. They are. Well, folks, this wraps up a shorter episode, but a very valuable one. You guys have checklists. You need to ask these questions, understand what the goals are, and understand where you might be vulnerable and need some help locking things down. Because we started with our computers and taking computers home, but this morphed right into our phones and how vulnerable they are when we're trying to be productive and work from home and have fun and play and do all these things, especially at summers here, we take our work to go and it's wide open for the world. So it's time to lock it down, get secure, take those extra steps, upgrade your phone if you have to, to have facial recognition as a requirement. It's a pain, especially with masks, (laughs) but do something (laughs) so you can lock it down a little bit more than how you have it. Michael, any last bit of advice? Be diligent. The bad actors are out there. I'll just sum it up. (laughs) And they get more creative every day. Oh my goodness. And if you aren't one, it's hard to think like one. uh, Agreed. You, you would, I would expect people are kind and and caring like myself, Uh, but, uh, but we can't expect that. (laughs) Well, thank you for being on again. And we will come back in a couple of weeks and get our third topic folks Go back and check the first episode with Michael. We've done our second one. Our next one is going to be one of the top five surprising places companies are most vulnerable. Companies and networks are most most vulnerable. We've already sort of covered those, but maybe we'll have a more succinct list and Michael and I might get inspired some more topics. So be sure to check back. This is all stuff you can use to protect your revenue. This is Susan Finch, your host for Rooted in Revenue on the Funnel Radio Network. Thank you so much. You can find me at rootedinrevenue.com. Look for me on LinkedIn or go to funnelradio.com. Never miss an episode. Check out rootedinrevenue.com and subscribe on the site to get weekly updates of when new episodes come out. Or find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, We want to be where you are, so go subscribe. We'll get you all the information you need to do your best with marketing of events and your online presence.